Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and we have a really good show for you today because it is with one of my good friends and student, Sean Thompson. And Sean has got a remarkable story to the journey of his first big multifamily deal all by himself with some investors. It's such a cool journey. What I think you're going to get from this is the evolution of how you start and grow and then get really immersed in this business, the multifamily way, and really start learning and developing that cash flow mindset. And so I'm super excited to talk with Sean and his journey. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right, we're back. So let's jump into it. Uh, Sean is just really is an amazing guy. He's had real estate in his veins over the last decade. Sean has been perfecting his process of scouting, acquiring, investing in real estate. His approach and philosophy is informed by his passion for building wealth and achieving financial freedom for his family and his investors. He founded the Thompson Multifamily Group, and him and his wife and his daughter, Abby, they've just got an amazing story. You'll find that also, Sean loves to cycle. He works with the U.S. cycling team where he helped them win Olympic medals. So he is just a very diverse guy, great guy, great friend, and I'm proud to be able to help him along his journey. So guys, welcome him to the show. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show, brother. Hi, Corey. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This is going to be one of my favorite episodes because <laughs> really this is about your journey to your first deal, dude, like to that first big, elusive, big deal that takes so long to get to. So I'm really excited to have you share it, Sean. And if you would, I'm just going to let you open this up because this is an amazing story of what I think is what most single family investors that come from that world aspire to as they start to think bigger and that's exactly what you did i want to commend you for that i'll never forget the time that you sought me out at investor fuel and you're like hey man (laughs) i'm serious like i feel like you've been trying to avoid me (laughs) but i'm telling you right now this is where i need i want to go and i think you can help me get me there and uh, i remember remember that deal it was that i can't remember where hotel was at but i remember you were said it was such intention and such focus and it's been a journey to watch you on so sean uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and i'm just going to let you tell your story man because it's an amazing story well thanks Corey. you're a big part of this success so it's going to be interesting talking to you about this you and i talk about this stuff all the time but i've never talked about this format so we'll see how this goes but my name is sean i come from a single family background i've done single family investing for the last decade or so and my goal with my investing 
has always been income. I've always wanted to generate income to kind of replace my household income for my wife, myself, so we don't have to work as hard at a day job to cover the bills and things like that. And then we have something to build on for retirement as well so that we can go into our sunset years Mm -hmm. with income that comes in. And the way to do that is to buy assets that pay you, right? Some people build businesses, some people buy real estate. Well, so for me, it's buying real estate. And in my single family business, I just wasn't getting the velocity that I wanted to achieve my financial goals, my income goals, right? I had a great little single family business. I never aspired to be the 100 unit or 200 unit per year transactor, wholesaler or whatever thing, like sort of that thing like that. So I was happy with my 20 or so properties that I did every year. I Ultimately, I really made almost as much money as some of those guys doing those 100 plus deals, you know? Exactly. So for me, it was more about having a successful, efficient, profitable business than it was about volume or anything like that. But I, so the goal for me was always, like I said, income, monthly income. I always thought apartments were, I always wanted to be an apartment investor. You know, I would drive by as a young guy, I would drive by an apartment building. I'd see one and I'd think, man, if I could just own one of those, I'd be set, which of course isn't true. One is not enough <laughs> to do that unless you own the whole thing. But so I always thought that would be a great future for me, but I always also thought that it was out of my reach. It was hedge funds and REITs that were doing those things. And so I just never really thought it was a possibility. And then you and you and I ran into each other at Investor Fuel, put on by our buddy, Mike. I was part of the group as well as you. And you came up and told your story in front of the group. And I was so electrified because your story is so good. First of all, where you come from and what you do and stuff yeah, and who you are is I really identified with who you were. It, it sounded like you were telling my story almost. Yeah. And... I wanted to jump out of my chair and just tackle you and say, man, you got to tell me how to do this stuff. Cause it was exactly what I'd been dreaming about. Right. Yeah. For a while. And so once I heard your story, I thought, man, I've got, this is what I've got to do. So I cornered you a couple of times probably and said, Hey, look, I'm serious. I want to learn how to do this. And luckily you had a education component to your business. So we came out and, and did that sort of thing, but it really, honestly, it took me a year to decide from the time you and I met. Yeah. And let's do this too, but I'm going to jump forward real quick because I want to give everybody like what you just did. Let's talk about your big deal first and let's go back. Okay. Just because I want to celebrate this. I know the buildup's fun, but I want to celebrate this win for you right now. Yeah. Because you just closed. How big of a deal did you just close? It's just under 8 million. (laughs) I know just under 8 million, right? Yeah. Which is it's one huge. of the smaller ones, right? Yeah. And how much money did you raise, Sean? Or like, I know you self-funded the deal, kind of, sort of, or, or... No. How much was the raise? Well, the raise was right around two and a half million. Oh, yeah. So two and a half million bucks. Yeah, two and a half million. That's substantial. Yeah, it was scary. <laughs> Very scary. Right? Yeah. And what market? I'm in the Dallas market. So I bought a property in the Dallas market, which was it's quite a challenge to buy properties here. I, I've told this joke a hundred times now, but I was having dinner with a guy the other night at a function and he asked me, what's it like to buy deals in Dallas? And I said, it's a lot like being in an MMA fight, like a UFC fight. You got to just get in there and crack some skulls to get a deal done. It's really quite a fight to get a deal here. So I'm kind of proud of myself just for getting anything. No, in I'm the proud Dallas of you for that because I don't even touch that market for that, that scenario because it is... Super difficult, but now you live in that market. Yeah. And, but it's a great market. And I've been watching you get really comfortable in it. Right. So I just wanted to cue that up because I think that's a big, so what we're talking about, this is big money stuff, right? Sean just celebrated closing his first deal. We're going to lead up to all the annex behind it, but I just want to give that to the audience. Like, what are we doing? That's what we're celebrating. So you can understand what that is. Now we got to go back to talk about where you started because 
This thing took a minute to go find. I tell people in my single family business, I was essentially buying some Little Rock was one of my primary markets. So I was buying $150,000 retail properties. So I was buying $80,000 properties. And I went from $80,000 properties to $8 million properties. So it's essentially 100Xing your business. Yeah. And doing that at one time is pretty scary, right? So I went through all that, the fear of overcoming that stuff. But to go back to where we were, I learned that it was possible because of you, but it still took me a year to kind of decide that I could do it, right? So I saw that you were doing it and I knew that it was could happen and and I knew that it was possible, but I had to convince myself that I wanted to do it and that I could do it, right? So it took me about a year to do that. Once I kind of decided, hey, I have to go do this. I can't live another day without making this possibility or reality for my family, right? Then I came to your boardroom and that kind of laid the foundation for everything that I was going to do from that point forward, right? Yeah. It was the kind of the baseline of all the knowledge, the download that you call it. I guess you call it the download from the mothership, but I got that in a three-day intensive with you. But more importantly, what you did when I left there was you gave me, I still have it on my wall. You gave me like a three-step process to go and activate, right? So I still have to do all the work. Just because I came to your program doesn't mean you're going to do my work, right? So I still have to go do the work, but at least you gave me contact brokers, pick a market, and then get out there and start looking for capital and deals, right? So that was kind of my mandate when I walked out of the boardroom. Yeah. And so that's what we started doing. And it's taken from the time I left the boardroom to the time we closed our deal was almost uh, two years total. But my business kind of evolved. So that first year was really kind of a transition out of my single family business and into multifamily. And then the second year was really kind of where we started to focus all of our attention. And my wife came on board. My daughter just graduated from college a little while into that. And so the whole little team that I have really started focusing on multifamily as a goal. We had actually a deal, a couple of deals before that, the one we actually closed on, you know about as well. I killed the deal for Sean. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say we that. We should but- have done it. And I was like, it was just the craziness of the market. And it was right when everybody was starting to turn into hard earnest money, like on day one. And I'd never done it before. I was like, oh my God, this makes me super nervous. And I convinced him to not do it. And he backed out. And we should have probably done it. <laughs> we should have done the deal. Yeah. So we had some success early, actually. And it just, through whatever issues, you know, we just, it didn't work out, right? We lost yeah. the deals and, and we moved forward. But so that was kind of our trajectory, our growth trajectory there. And today we have a property under management. Where we're operating now, doing asset management. We're doing all of our, I guess, interface with the property management group. We're all those sorts of things. At the same time, we're also looking for new deals too. But that two-year period, what we did was we focused on building a deal machine. I call it a deal machine. And what it is, is uh, based on what you told me after leaving the boardroom is I worked on broker relationships and working on getting deals for my single family days. That's kind of how my brain operated. You're trying to get phone calls to happen so you can go look at properties, so you can make offers, so that you can buy deals, right? And I treated my multifamily business kind of the same way. So I went out and made discussions with brokers and getting those relationships going and getting those properties being sent in. And then we have underwriting and analysis sort of bracketed system that we have in our business too, where we have a VA that does the high level stuff. Then we have secondary looks and then we have a more in-depth look. And then we have a fully in-depth look at the properties too. So we kind of phase the properties through our system and we'll kick out properties as they don't meet our criteria much faster so that we can get through as many properties as possible. Yeah. So you take the adage, it it doesn't take magic to find a deal. It just takes a lot of work and persistence to find the needle in the haystack. Well, yeah, people say there's no deals out there, but there's deals everywhere. The problem is, is it for you, right? Is it the right deal for you? And is it going to make 
sense for what you're trying to accomplish? And then can you get the returns for your investors? And then can you get the property to operate the way you want it to, right? So is the opportunity there possible for the future? And that's kind of what we look for now. There's We have hundreds of deals that come into our system, but we throw out most of them. We you know, Probably, I would say 70% of the deals that we look at don't make it through round two. Yeah, exactly. So now the TMG, Thompson Multifamily Group, that kind of evolved out of you guys getting super serious too. I remember when it was something other LLC was, but you guys started getting really purposeful about your marketing, your branding, and really creating an identity for your company as well. I mean, I think you did a lot of things all at once, which is like build a deal machine, build brand identity. Right. How did that come into place? The TMG side of what you guys do? Well, I knew we had to put some of that stuff together. I don't put a lot of thought into those things. I know I need it and I want it. And luckily I have Abby, my daughter. She's also my partner. She's extremely good with those things. She's able to kind of build those things out for us, give us a look, a consistency and a brand, like you said, a a real good brand strength. And we work together to kind of identify what's important to us. I think the most important thing for us to get all those things started was that we all have a common mission. I work with my family. You know, you can't have better teammates than that because we're all on a common mission, right? We all definitely want each other to succeed. And so just that fundamental willingness to work for each other is already baked in, right? And for us, building the brand was really a lot of the recommendations that you made for us, having credibility kits and those sorts of things. And we just kind of took what you taught us and evolved it to into what we thought was most suitable for us and what our focus is and what our intentions were in in the world. We have a lot of fundamental core principles in our business and in our lives that help us kind of guide us through what we want to do and the decisions we make. In my rental business, it's always been, I've always wanted to have a property that working family can be proud to raise their family in, right? That's always been a fundamental tenant or principle in my business. And I carry that forward today. Just because I'm buying how many of our doors at one time doesn't mean that that fundamental is going to change. I still want to have a property that people can be proud to live in, right? If you can focus on that, the money and all those other things kind of will work themselves out as long as you've done the right due diligence. But I think if you have good core principles, that's a guidepost for where you want to go. And we use a lot of that in our branding as well. So we just tell our stories essentially how it works. Right. So here's what I've watched you evolve in as well. When you first start, there's a lot of work to do up front. There's always a lot of work to do, but you've created the deal machine, the way to underwrite and kind of get the deal flow happening. And you did that, I think, probably better than almost anybody I've ever seen as far as understanding the numbers. But then it's not just finding a deal that matters. It's also the next part, which is finding the money, right? And that, I've seen you grow out of your shell on this one. One of your favorite things is, I can't remember how you say it, but like getting uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then that's why I'm going to do it. I don't want to, but I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just seen that because, so we'll talk about public speaking, right? Yeah. I know there was a, and probably still is a rear fear of public speaking, but yet here you're on a podcast, right? Right. I've got, watched you get up on stage and scared nervous as all hell and then like kill it and actually crush it not in my single family business i didn't find myself doing a lot of things in my single family business that were really kind of uncomfortable other than 
the situations I was placed in to kind of talk to people. But in the multifamily business, since I've tried to level up my life a little bit, I've had to really confront my fears. I did this in my single family business as well, but it was on a more personal level. I was I had fears that were holding me back from success, but I didn't even realize I had those fears and carrying them around. And in that process, Gary Harper actually was one of the persons that sort of pointed this out to me that, hey, you're dealing with fears, or he didn't say this, but I discovered it from one of his talks. You're dealing with fears that you don't even know you have. And so I started to work on those things for myself. And what has happened as I went to level up my game, this is really a hundred X my game, right? Those fears get worse. I'm putting essentially my entire family's future on the line every time I go after a deal. And it's scary. You can win really big, but you can also <laughs> ruin everything, right? There's another side of it, right? right. There's a lot at stake. And you have to overcome those things. So I'm constantly putting myself into situations that I really don't want to be in. I'm really uncomfortable networking with people. I'm really uncomfortable talking on stage. I'm really uncomfortable doing this right now. Actually, this has gotten easier because I have my own podcast. And so we're at 90 episodes in, but so podcasts don't scare me anymore. Initially they did, but I think I'm putting myself in situations almost every day where it's like, you're just going to be uncomfortable and that's just how it works. And what I figured out is that fear is guiding me towards success, right? Every time. It's not something that I have to run away from. It's the thing that guides me to the winds, right? If you're not afraid at that moment, you're probably not doing something big or you're not headed in the right direction. Because if you're doing something big and you're headed towards that big goal, you're going to run into, or you're going to encounter things that are just going to be scary. Yes. But when I'm sitting on the couch, I'm fearless. I have <laughs> nothing's wrong. <laughs> But when I'm headed towards something that's dangerous, I'm scared. That's what I think now to myself is, okay, I must be heading in the right direction. As long as I'm not doing something stupid, because there is dumb fear. Most of the time, it's just if I'm heading in the right direction. It's healthy fear. Right. Healthy right. fear. Right. Yeah. It's, and just driving you to like, if you're feeling uncomfortable, then you feel like this is the right spot. Right. Right. I'm afraid of speaking, but I'm going to do it anyways. I don't want to talk to this network with all these people, but I'm going to do it anyways. Now, that's what I've seen. And here's one thing I want to really tell you. I've watched you do this, and I think, man, I'm in awe of it, is when you get your mind focused on something, like the whole piece of, I'm going to go networking, I'm going to go find, I need more people, more potential capital, more strategic partners, right? I think that's what you told yourself. I know that's what it is. And so then you said, okay, so how do I solve for X, which is, well, I need to know more people, more strategic people. Well, where can I meet those people at? And then you found, you get charted up a whole list of everybody's events and when they were at, and you signed up for every one of them, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen you network. You've been on a plane like every week for the last probably two months, three months. Yeah. I went from Southwest nothing to Southwest A-list in three months. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been traveling a lot. We closed our first deal. And then what I realized was I want to go buy more, right? I need to buy more. I, I need 10 of these. I don't need one deal, right? So I need 10 yeah. of these or more, right? It's limitless. But so my thinking was, let's go buy another one. And then what I realized is that I created a deal machine that allows me to buy deals. And I'm really good at finding, finding deals. I have broke relationships. I have everything built that I need to be successful in finding deals. And then I realized, well, someone's got to pay for these, right? <laughs> Someone's got to fund these deals. I just don't have millions and millions of dollars that, that I need to do that on my own. And that's really not the business that I'm in anyway. Really, my business is to collect other people's money and make them more money as, as well as myself, right? So that's kind of the real the business that you're in anyway. 
And so I thought, well, where do I need to go to find people that are interested in multifamily that want to place capital, right? So I started looking for all those areas where people are that have capital and they're interested in investing in multifamily. And so I just started going out and networking and meeting those people and trying to build relationships. Most of this business is people that know, like, and trust you that believe in what you're trying to accomplish, right? So now my goal is not to find money, really. It's to find people that believe in what we're trying to accomplish and that want to come along with us, right? And be part of it. And so that's really what we're looking for. I'm not necessarily looking for dollars. I'm just looking for relationships with people. That's their interest level and they want to come along with our journey. What an incredible journey. So got to back up here or ask a couple questions on when you closing that first deal, right? Talk about some of the specifics of what went right and what went wrong in that deal. And maybe you want to start with what went wrong first. I don't know. (laughs) Tell us about the deal and how you found it first. We were just out hunting for deals. So it it came from one of our broker relationships. And these are a couple of guys here locally that we have a great relationship with. I trust them. I believe in what they're trying to accomplish. I knew that they were going to look out for me. It's not their job to look out for me, but I kind of knew that they were going to look out for me. This being an early deal. And one of the things that I did, I guess I've told this to other people, but I'm kind of an unknown quantity at this point. And one of the things that I did was I thought, well, because we had looked at, we'd been best in finals in several deals and we'd looked at dozens and dozens of properties. And I thought, well, what can I do to kind of give this broker additional confidence in the fact that I'm serious, that I'm really mean what I say and that I really want to buy this property. And I asked him, I said, who do you like to work with in lending and insurance and legal and all these different areas? And so they gave me recommendations and I went out and talked to those groups and said, Hey, here's what I have going on. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's what I expect, or here's what I need. Can you fulfill that? Right. And so I built a team around me that these brokers were comfortable with. So they knew who my lender was. They knew who my property management group was. They knew my legal team. They knew my insurance guy. Right. So then when I said to them, so-and-so's looked at it, they knew exactly what that meant, right? They knew who that person was and what their criteria was. And, and so they were very comfortable. It gave me sort of a level of credibility with this particular group. I think anyway, and maybe this is reading too much into right. it, but I think it gave me a level of credibility with that particular brokerage group by proximity of familiarity with the people that they worked with all the time that I wouldn't have gotten by myself. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. I totally agree. Like sometimes just knowing we're in a people business and that's the unfair part about this multifamily game is it does get pretty unfair when you start getting transact and everybody respects and likes your team, right? right? They're, oh, okay, well, I don't have to worry about like, this is not the new guy. He's already got somebody built out that has experience. And so I can trust this process way more. Yeah. At this level, everybody has money. Everybody kind of has all these different things, right? It's a matter of how comfortable that group is with the fact that you're going to perform on closing a transaction. And that's kind of a biased system 
but it's a necessity in that these deals have to get closed and you know because time is money as well, right? And so anytime brokerages get a hint that you're not going to close or that you're going to move off the deal, it's a bad thing for them, for their business and for the seller and everybody else. Well, yeah, because they're working for free. I mean, every broker still works on a commission last time I checked. Right. So they're like, oh, they don't get paid till you close. So they're really trying to find people that are going to transact and actually do what they close on the transact, get me paid. Yeah. So having strong partners, having the capital ready to go, having a team around you that substantial and connected and does a good job, that's very critical in winning deals for sure. So on this deal, what went wrong? I remember there was a couple of snafus that you really had to solve for X in a big way and it took a minute to get it done. Yeah, we had, uh, so I knew there was some foundation issues. You know, I've walked thousands of properties. So for construction stuff, I'm pretty confident and comfortable. I can see foundation issues. I can see these different things. I inspect all every deal that I look at myself, right? I walk everything. And I think I have an experience level that's pretty substantial there. So I'm confident in what I do. And so when we went into due diligence, I told the guys, I said, be sure and get some estimates on the foundation. I don't think it's a big deal, the foundation. I just think there's a couple spots we need to kind of make sure that doesn't get any worse. We need to make sure the drainage is good and things like that. I was going to make those repairs. The problem is in the environment that we were in, these foundation companies were just coming in and just like coming in with these big foundation plans. They were just dropping these estimates on us that were incredible. And it wasn't necessary. I didn't think it was necessary. And ultimately it wasn't necessary to do jobs that big. They were just kind of throwing numbers out, right? They saw an opportunity to, to do a big giant repair and they were throwing a number out there. Well, what they're not thinking about is the impact of that foundation repair on the business of the apartment building, right? So if I have to clear the first floor of the entire property <laughs> to do repairs on it, and that's going to take months of time that I don't have revenue being generated out of those units, I mean, that's a huge amount of money, right? So a, a small foundation repair of a couple hundred thousand dollars becomes a half a million, three quarters of a million, a million dollar problem because I've got vacant units. Now you're impacting the income numbers, you're impacting everything. And so we started getting some estimates coming in that were just, they were too invasive in the property, right? That wasn't the financial part of the foundation repairs were a problem. It was just, they were too invasive and I would have to hit the revenue too much. We were going back and forth with the broker team and said, hey, I just can't make this work. And when you have a half a million dollar problem suddenly in a, in a negotiation, that's a huge deal, right? So the seller's not interested in coming off a half a million dollars and I can't move forward. I have an obligation to look out for my investor capital. I have an obligation to look out. Yeah. It's not just me making decisions. I have these obligations to my team to make good decisions. And so we weren't able to find a solution given those scenarios that was making me happy, right? And so we finally found a group that came in and they did a real analysis and really looked at the property and said, okay, look, this is what you really need to do, right? We're not just coming in here and doing a broad sweeping plan, crashing right. <laughs> in. We thought about it. We thought about the impact to the business. We thought about how this needs to go. And here's our plan, right? And it was completely workable, right? We went yeah. from affecting 36 units to affecting six units, right? Yeah. That's not a problem because we're going to turn four to six units every month or two anyway, right? Right. And so it became possible for us to move forward with the deal. I remember when this happened, it was like a point where you're ready to just walk out of the deal. You're already hard on your money and here comes this snafu and it's like, well, we may not be doing this deal. And I know it was, you're like, I think I told you, actually, I gave you some advice, some advice on that one. I think I told you to solve for X right? Just like solve it. I'm like, you can figure it out. And that's part of the making these decisions. I have other people involved in my business that are counting on me to make good decisions, right? And I was prepared 
to lose. It was over a hundred thousand dollars. I was going to lose personally. I was prepared to lose that money as opposed to putting my investors and my team at risk down the road. Right. Yeah. Total noble cause. And that's what I loved about the way you came about it. You're like, listen, if this goes this way, I'm okay with it. I've already made my mind up and put myself in the right frame of mind. And I think you were just more like that, ah, you know, it's like, well, it's me. This is never going to work at that point. I feel like this is your first deal. You're already nervous as hell. Now we got things coming up that you don't see. You didn't get that second piece that you talked about, that solution, or really the third solution, because it didn't show up. You hired a couple different companies to figure this out, and they both kept on saying the same thing until you found the right company that ultimately it makes sense. You're like, oh, okay, well, now my impact's not as bad. It's a good deal. I remember having that conversation, and I think this is the power of having mentors in your life, right? Yeah. And this is what I loved about what you did. She called me up and said, hey, Corey, man, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. Here's where I'm up. Here's what I'm at again. You know, here's where I'm at. Beauty of talking to you every time is that you're always encouraging me to succeed, right? So that's one of the reasons I love talking to you is pragmatic about things. You look at it like, okay, let's figure this out. And we come up with solutions, but you're always positive and encouraging. And that, And for me, that's I was at the edge of the cliff at that point. I'm like, this is it. I don't know how to do this. I had a couple of times in that process where I thought to myself, I don't know, Sean, if you're built for this business, man, I don't know if you're going to be successful here. You may not have what it takes, right? I had that thought to myself at least twice, maybe a third time, but where I just driving down the road, I left the property one day and I'm driving down the road thinking, man, I don't think you can do this. I don't think you're the guy. And so then when I call you, you're always like, ah, stop that. You got it. Right. And so that encouragement is all really all I kind of needed to, st to kind of stick in there. Yeah. But also the reality is that I was prepared to do what I have to do to be successful, but losing like that is really hard. No, some people never come back from losing like that. Right. Yeah. It wouldn't have killed me. I would have still been in the game, but that would have been really, really painful. I mean, really Take painful. Take off your legs for sure. Yes. But it's funny. From my point of view, I was like, well, this is solvable. <laughs> yeah. Right? I was like, what are you freaking out about? I was like, no, 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 no. You'll get a couple extra $100,000 from an investor. You'll fix that up. It's a timing issue. And I'm like, surely you'll find the right contractor to do the job, right? Because that sounds crazy, yeah. right? And it was quiet for a minute. And I was like, well, where's the ad on the deal? And Again, this is the persistence, and this is what I love about that art of the first deal. How much did you learn about real estate and multifamily on this deal, bro? Oh, man. It's been a lot. I, the due diligence or the closing process, I started tagging my emails, just my inbound emails. I was just bombarded. For, so for three months of closing, I couldn't believe the amount of stuff I was having to do. I have lenders, legal, property management, insurance, so just dealing with all these things. And I had 1,372 inbound emails <laughs> in three months. <laughs> so that has nothing to do with phone calls, which are in the hundreds, Zoom calls, which are in the dozens and dozens. And those aren't my responses. I probably have a thousand responses that went out, right? So I had 1,372 yeah. emails just come in just about this one deal. There's nothing about anything else in my business. So I'm still getting my whatever emails I'm getting every day from my business. Plus I'm dealing with this. And so it was a ton. You learn about financing, you learn about legal, you learn more and more every day. You start learning about having key partners, right? To handle this stuff, right? Because it happens, like I'm closing, I've closed three back to back to back as well. Yeah. I got another closing. And today I, I get desensitized on the emails. I look at them and I say, 
am I just seated on this one? Or is there like direct action? And even then, so what I've told my, this is like for my lawyer, I'm like, listen, I am not paying attention to any of these emails. You have to send me a single email with a subject line, action required, if you want me to do something. Yeah. If I'm supposed to do something. Because it's an inundating. It's, it is so inundating. Now, on the first one, you should read them all. We did. It's like, and you see all the things that all have to come together. And it always gets together at the day before closing or the day of closing. Everything gets checked off the tick mark. But how that happens is it's organized chaos. It's crazy. It just seems like the whole world's going to end every five minutes. Like everything's going to blow up any second now. And it seems like that for months. And you're just like, oh, man, it's so stressful. I feel like that was my second call that I got from Sean. The first one was on the foundation. And there was another one in there where it was like, is this stuff normal? Like, <laughs> yeah, this can't be normal. This can't be real. I couldn't believe how much we were having to kind of deal with. It's just bombarding. Like, welcome of, to the multifamily. Stuff, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just overwhelming. And, it, and it's always a panic. It's never, hey, this is going great. I mean, why well, I get those occasionally. Let's talk about that. When did you actually feel like we did it? I don't know if I still, I have the property now, but as soon as you get the property, the job becomes executing the business plan, right? So I get it. I get that part. But there was a moment in there where Sean had a little, when you looked at Diana, your wife, and you said, we did it. (laughs) I'm serious, Corey. I don't know if I've said that yet. (laughs) (laughs) We closed on it and we were kind of comfortable. Actually, you know what? There was a time there where we, I felt like, okay, everything's going to be all right. And it was like, okay, I can breathe again. But it was up until that moment, and it was a couple of weeks before closing, but up until that moment, I was scared the whole time. I mean, really scared the whole time that it was just, it seems like a thousand things are going to blow up in your face every day. It was so stressful to kind of think, well, we're going to work this hard and this is all going to blow up. But it finally kind of get to a place where like, okay, I, I think I have all these pieces of this puzzle put together at this point. We just have to sign the papers and we're good. I did have a point there a couple of weeks before that I had that feeling. Yeah. (laughs) And then you moved on and now we're into operations and now we got to make that piece work, right? right? Because closing them is only the first part of the sequence, right? And then running them is the real journey that makes you the money. Yeah. In your mind, you kind of think there's this coasting point, but there's not. It doesn't, you just don't coast. No, because you got to go find your next deal, right? Now you got to go back to deal, deal finding, deal hunting, and you're juggling now the management of this one here. So you got that plate always spinning. It'll always spin. And then you're going to go find some more plates to kind of get going. Yeah, exactly. So now we're operating one and we're keeping up with that. But I still have to go out and hunt for properties, hunt for capital, and hunt to do all those things. Yeah. So it doesn't stop, really. I think our next closing will be a lot less stressful because yes. I went through the first closing completely doing everything, right? So I think the next closing will be a little easier. But- That's the thing in the beginning. A lot of times, and, and this is, I actually encourage this. Your first ones, when I first closed my first property, I was there and I live in Phoenix. And the property was in South Carolina, but I was flying like six, seven times a year, which is a lot to go visit the property and like check up on it and make sure, double check. And like, I was there a lot, maybe more like 10, like almost once a month, right? Yeah. And now I go once a year, twice a year. And that's just because I told myself I have to. And I'm actually getting ready to hire an asset manager where I'm not going to go at all. I'm just going to send someone else. Right. But in the beginning, it makes a lot of sense to baby them because you learn so much. 
Yeah, we're 30 minute drive from our property. So we're over there. We dropped off Christmas lights for them. You know, we have extra Christmas lights. So they wanted to decorate. So we dropped off Christmas lights that we had laying around. And I went and put a camera doorbell on for our on-site manager because she wanted one of those. I went and grabbed one and put it on. It took me half hour. We've been doing little stuff just to kind of stay connected. And we have yeah. you know regular meetings with our property management team and our on-site team. And we're pretty active in it. And having it really close by is nice. You can drop by anytime and see how things are going. And we'll go check to make sure the grass is getting cut. And little things like that. Rock and roll. So what does the future for Thompson Multifamily Group look like? Well, we have asset under management goals that we're trying to achieve. And after, like I told you earlier, we bought our first deal, but we also started thinking, okay, we have to capitalize the next deal and how are we going to do that? And we started looking for strategic partnerships and things. And what we found is that there's just a multitude of people out there in the world that want to be in this space, right? Want to fund these deals and be equity partners with us. And they like what we're doing. They like the market we're in. So we've starting to level up our goals, actually starting to think a little bit bigger. I went from single family to multifamily and 100X my business. And I think I'm pretty close. I have a couple of conversations still to go with some people, but I think I'm pretty close to 10Xing that even. So we'll have to see how it goes. But the beauty of this business, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to get into it, is that the sky isn't the limit. You can go to the stars. It's what you can do with this business is big. If you're a good operator, you're good good with your business. If you have the right partnerships and strategies and things, you can go pretty big. But uh, we'll see how it goes for us. Right now, the most immediate goal for us is just to acquire our next deal, get that under management so that we can start operating that one too. We'd love to have it here in Dallas. We actually are probably going to submit an offer next week on a property that we like here. It's not perfect property, ideally. I think it's guys great opportunities, right? So that's what we're looking for is opportunities to do well. So we're going to submit on that one. And then we're looking at a lot more. Right now, we're probably also, as the last couple of weeks of the year, I've got one more trip but I have to do in the last couple of weeks of the year, we're going to kind of do a debrief on how last year went. And then we're going to start plan out our strategy, and our, yeah. kind of our fight plan or whatever for next year. So that's happening. Man, I'm super excited about the growth. Sometimes you hear about these people that come out the door and just, they get all this accolades, but I'm going to tell you, I believe that person sometimes burns out really quick. I've seen a lot of those that, oh, they come out, they get, oh, I'm doing so great. And then all of a sudden, two years later, where are they? I was not that kind of starter. I was a very slow starter. It took me a long time to get ramped up and get excited. Same thing with you, Sean. It's not just overnight success. But the foundation that you've laid and the experience that you have, it shows. Yeah. Right? I think that future, what you're building for you and your family, is going to be absolutely amazing. Right? I think it really is. There's two main motivations. And what I do is, like I said, is income is our number one. For So for my wife and myself, we want to just have financial freedom. We want to have a financial independence on a level that is significant, right? I want to go beyond just being able to pay my mortgage and, and my car payments. I want to have a lifestyle and a life that I don't have any worries, right? And that takes quite a bit. But the second part of my business is that my daughter is my partner. She just got out of college. She's 23 and she wants to make this business big. And so I'm trying to lay a foundation for her to take and launch into the stratosphere, whatever she wants to do. She wants to create a billion-dollar business. I want her to be able to do that. So for us, laying a strong foundation that she can take with her into the future is really important. So I think that's one of our main focuses every time we make a decision, for sure, is to have to build something that's substantial and thought out that's going to last. Hey, man, that's a great way to probably in this podcast it is is building that legacy, man. And that's really what you're doing is to hand it off to that 
that next generation, your daughter, and let her do and go farther than you ever could because you created the foundation to explode from. Oh, that's the hope. Love it, love it. Any books or anything that you've been reading lately that you would like to share with the, the audience? Uh, well, we're always reading. I've always got an Audible going. Actually, I've got three Audibles going right now. But some good book recommendations for me, I think, would be Fearvana was a pivotal book for me. I lived in fear that I didn't even realize, and Fearvana kind of laid that guidepost for using fear as propellant as opposed to something that slows you down. So that's a good book. Anybody, anybody that's trying to do something big in their life and go to the next level, I think fear is always going to be something you have to conquer or deal with. So I think that's a great book. And then The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday is another great book that I got a lot out of. Kind of tells you that if you're headed towards the obstacles in your life, they're going to slow you down from success. I think those are the best places to go. And then lately, like I just uh, read, it's Who Not How, I think, or yeah, Who Not How. So focusing on the people in your life and your circle that can help you achieve what you're trying to achieve and not just the tasks that it takes to do those things. Yeah. That's another good one too. So Huge books. We'll make sure we put those in the show notes. And for anybody listening um, and they want to get a hold of Thompson Multifamily Group, where do they find you? Our website's usually the best place to go that has our podcast on it, that has all of our social connections on there. I think there's even a button for you to sign up to be an investor with us and we'll put you through our investor portal process. You can also sign up to be, just get a meeting with me too. If someone, if you're trying to get started and you have questions, I have a 15 minute phone call that people can do with me. So the website's usually the best place to go. It's just thompsonmultifamilygroup.com and Thompson is spelled without a P. So it's just T-H-O-M-S-O-N. So thompsonmultifamilygroup.com. Right on. Perfect. Sean, I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast and really just sharing that journey of getting your first deal. If you're listening to Sean right now, he doesn't go too high or too low. He's just pretty much even killed. <laughs> it's been a journey and a real joy watching you take this thing on just and really wrapping your family around it. And I've watched you guys just, I've seen your wife look at you in a way that is very commendable and admirable and saying that that's my man. You guys set your mind to it. You've accomplished that first goal, which is law of the first deal. Your first deal will always be your hardest, and you've broken the seal, my friend, and I see nothing but lots of deals coming in to your life. And guys, if you're listening about this journey, this is what this podcast is about. It's about the authenticity of real people that wanted to make changes in their life to grow to that next level. Sean is living proof that if you believe it, you can achieve it, and your paradise is absolutely possible.